welcome to a new episode of Time to Shine. This is your host, Oscar Santolaya. Time to Shine presents you interviews with successful public speakers who share their experience and secrets with you in a weekly podcast. Hello, everybody. Today, I have in front of me a very charismatic man who I already know for a few years and I see him often. However, when I see him, it's not only face-to-face as today, but also in the big screen. Last time I saw him was in a TV commercial promoting ice hockey matches. Our guest today is a public speaker, actor, and serial entrepreneur. And he's going to talk about audience etiquette. Let me welcome David Gelkin. David, how are you? Hi, Oscar. I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you very much for, in, like, for having me here today. It's great to have you here, David. Could you tell us more about yourself and your projects? Sure, there's so many. So where do I begin? So one of the projects which I'm quite involved with at the moment is a Save Water project. And this is one of my charitable like activities that I'm doing. And it's been ongoing now for about a year. And with that, I'm trying to promote the or advocate that we should save water in our everyday lives another project which i'm working on is you know you could say trying to improve our pronunciation enunciation and english abilities that's with speaking i'm doing that with toastmasters and so i'm promoting that everybody if possible should go to a toastmaster meeting and see what it's about so those are the things that i'm focusing on you could say as a charitable side of things plus i've got my normal day jobs and my acting as well excellent could you tell us when your career as public speaker started? As a public speaker, that would be about three years ago when I joined Toastmasters International. And I didn't know at that time that I was going to be a public speaker. Mm-hmm. I joined Toastmasters, you could say for a selfish reason, was to make myself better. I had no <laughs> anticipation to, to, to do anything else really, apart from make myself a better speaker. And I, after a while, I, I discovered that actually I might be quite good at this. And so this is feedback from other people. And from that, I was asked, could I go into contests, such as you know, the Toastmaster Way? And then I was asked to do some public speaking for different organizations. And this led to where we are today, is that I actually do public speaking. I get paid for it sometimes. You know, I've been able to speak in different countries. I've been able to win awards in different countries. So it, it's been really a roller coaster, but it's been mostly fun. You know, I could put my hands in the air and scream the whole way of how much fun I've had. <laughs> yes, I can see that you always have fun doing this. Yeah. David, could you share with us a stage fright moment? A stage fright moment? Well, actually, stage fright, as I can understand it, is like when you're, you're, like, you're frightened and you can't move, you can't breathe, and everything goes black around you. <laughs> I have to say that I haven't really had one of those moments yet. I do get nervous before I do speak. I have the butterflies in the stomach, and I have that one second before, like, what am I going to say? But when it comes to the process of, like, am I actually, you know, just to say, with fright frozen, I haven't so far, touch wood, had that moment so far in my life. But maybe it'll come in the future. I don't know. <laughs> yes, who knows? <laughs> Thank you. Now going to the main topic of this episode. Could you tell us, since when you are particularly interested in audience etiquette and why this audience etiquette is so important? Audience etiquette to me is so important because 
as a public speaker, we are only one half of the equation of giving a presentation. We are the speaker, we've got the stage, we've got the lights, we've got the microphone. However, one very important part of the equation is the audience, because without an audience, who are we talking to as speakers? And so the audience also has a very significant role that they have to do. And we've been taught to do this since a young age, when we've been in school, we've been in assemblies and stuff like that, that we have to be quiet and those sort of things. And I believe that the audience etiquette, when we get older, is not always on a level which everybody appreciates. And one of the things of audience etiquette, which I want to try and promote in this show, is that you know, if you're not interested in the subject or the message isn't coming through to you, there may be somebody in the audience which it is resonating with. So if you do have to use your telephone, do it discreetly. If you do have to have a discussion with your neighbor, maybe you could write it on a piece of paper to communicate with them Mm -hmm. rather than having a full-blown discussion verbally and trying to compete with the actual speaker that may even have a microphone so you're speaking louder and louder. It's very disconcerting for the speaker presenting their, their message but also for other people around you. So audience etiquette to me, I believe it's very important as part of the equation for having a successful presentation. Very good point. Could you briefly summarize what are the main rules of audience etiquette the main rules. Well, one I, I think is the, the very significant point is that audience etiquette is not the responsibility or the prime responsibility of the speaker. Audience etiquette or enforcement of the etiquette is the main responsibility of the facilitator of the room or the hall that you're in. And you could say like in a Toastmaster manner, the sergeant of arms. Mm-hmm. Because the worst thing that can happen is that the presenter on the stage, given their presentation, says, hold on, hold on a minute, everybody. I have to stop now and mm. tell this person, please, could you turn the volume down? Or let's hold on. That's the worst situation you want to be in. It's much more, like let's say, better to come across and more professional that if the facilitator of the room were to go discreetly to that person, tap them on the shoulder and say, please, could you turn the volume down? You're getting a bit loud. Just to Because they might not know themselves. So you have to be very dignified and digni- you know, use dignity about it because it can get out of control very quickly, especially if they get offended by you going to them saying, hey, please, could you be quiet? If they say, well, I've got an important thing to say here, then that could ruin the show as well. So there has to be a lot of, you know, let's say diplomacy involved. But I would say that as a whole, the number one rule is that it's not the presenter's responsibility to keep the etiquette rules in place. Mm-hmm. It's the functioneers who are running the room, the facilitators, to make sure that the etiquettes are enforced. That's the number one rule. And I would say number two rule is to make sure number one rule is followed. <laughs> it's not the role of the speaker. Yep. There are two main rules. Yep. One, it's not the responsibility of the speaker. And rule number two is it's not the responsibility of the speaker because it's so important. You, as a speaker, you really don't want to be there running around the room saying, hey, do people shut up? It's that important because it can happen that the f- functioneer of the room is not doing what you ask them to, or you want them to do as a speaker. And so you feel that you're obliged then to say, hey, look, I can't continue. All it takes is a limple little look, maybe a little nod or a little annoyance in your face to say, hey, look, sh- that person's making a noise. Can you please shut them up? That's what it would take for someone to, to know that you're, you know, you, you're offended by that, could, you could mm-hmm. say. But they are so important that I think it is rule number one and rule number two. Mm. But it should not be the primary responsibility of the speaker to make the rule, that, you know, to enforce the rules. Very good point. I think that in, in many cases, the per- some persons in the audience are being impolite without, without being aware of that. Which are the most common cases where the people in the audience is being impolite without being aware of that? 
Uh, one of them is that, for example, they're not interested in the subject matter that which the presenter is speaking about. And so they get bored, basically. So then mm -hmm. they go to their telephone. It's all, you know, it's our friend in our pocket. So they start getting their phone out, even though it's on mute, and they start playing a game or they're texting their friends on Facebook, etc. <laughs> but when they're doing it, they inadvertently attract attention from other people around that they're doing something different. Mm -hmm. you, know, I don't, you know, it just happens that way. There's the second thing is that maybe someone's having a discussion. You're a presenter. You've presented a topic. They resonated with the audience, and yet the audience feel as if they have to share it with their friend also they could be agreeing with what you just said. However, this act of agreeing with you and, and having the discussion that's continuing while you're going on to your next you know, topic, that is distracting to other people. And you, you know that happens in many meetings because people start turning around. Somebody in the big background going, shh, shh, shh. Hmm. You know, those, those sort of things happening in the audience. We've all heard it. We know it happens. You know, you've been in the cinema before, right? Yes. What's the worst thing that could happen? Somebody's having a discussion while the movie's going on. And why mm. are they having a discussion while the movie's going on? It's because they're not interested in the movie. The same sort of thing happens when you're having a speech. The only reason they do to get distracted is because they're not interested in your message. Is that a problem for the speaker? That's another question because is most of the audience getting bored or is it little pockets of people that are getting bored? Because if it's generally the whole room which is getting bored, you will start seeing people shuffling around in their seats. There'll be, a, there'll be more than an ambient noise level being generated. However, if it's very low and you see that, then you know that your topic is on, you know, is correct for the audience. You've done your job as a speaker, your research correctly. So it's not your problem. It's the audience problem, which is the audience etiquette. Mm -hmm. They should be aware of that. And what could you tell us when, for instance, someone in the audience has to do something uh, besides paying attention to the, to the speaker? For instance, someone who has to tweet about, take a photo and tweet in that moment about the... Um, the speech or really do have to do something, mm -hmm. what would you recommend or what this person has to do in order to be still polite? Mm -hmm. The word is discreet. We all know that if we're trying to be discreet, we're not like at the front of the room. If you know you're going to be tweeting about something or taking photos, mm -hmm. make it a role that you're doing and everyone knows that it's your role so you will not be distracted. Not that you all of a sudden start being like a little ninja in the background, running from the back of the room to the front of the room <laughs> and climbing along the floors. We've seen this stuff happen. Some people, when they're trying to be discreet or trying to be a little bit inconspicuous, they take the show away because they're acting a little bit odd. Somebody comes into the room <laughs> late, for example, they make the most amount of noise possible by trying to be quiet. The amount of noise coming off their coat zipper, you know, they start doing stuff. It's like, just sit down. It's less, what are you doing? They start opening their bag and it's like a hell of a cacophony of noise that's coming from it. You've heard these people, you know, and people when they're trying to take a photo, they're like crawling along the floor like they're in the army or something to try and get the best shot. And it's like, what are they doing there? They're trying to be a professional. They're trying to do their stuff to get their job done. However, they're taking the focus away. So all I can say is that really try to be as discreet as possible without going too over the top. <laughs> yes. And from the perspective of the speaker, what the speaker can do to prevent or minimize this type of behavior from the audience? I think that one thing that could be done 
at least in the beginning while you know the speaker is preparing for the actual function is to have a word with the functioneer such as the sergeant of arms or the meeting facilitator to see what would they do if something like that happens so that you're aware of it it could be in your checklist as a speaker before mm -hmm. the meeting saying if somebody starts making noise could you please have a word with them in you know discreetly etc because as a speaker you, you know as long as you know what could happen you've done it before being on stage you're being a professional pre preventing things that could happen so Tip number one could be have a word with the facilitator you know, about what could happen. The second thing could be uh, to, to, to stop that from happening is when you're introducing yourself, that's the speaker introduces you, you could also ask, could you please turn your telephones off, blah, blah, blah. You know, if you're done and leave the room, then I'm done and leave a 10 minute discussion at the end, you could leave then. If it's going to be a break, if it's a long keynote, you could have breaks adequate times. So there are ways of making it so people, if they are getting uncomfortable, room temperatures, one of them, if it's mm. too hot, too cold, it causes discomfort you know are the chairs comfortable even i've been to some places and the chairs have just been rock hard solid uncomfortable <laughs> or it's been the middle legs on a wooden floor and it's you know you try and move on the chair and it just makes a hell of a noise so those sort of things happen we've been to those sort of meeting rooms so having those sort of being aware as a speaker is being aware of your surroundings because that is your environment that you should be working in it's just taking care of it and just making the note beforehand and if it does happen say the worst case scenario somebody has a big coughing fit while you're on stage mm -hmm. as a speaker you can either just let it go or you could use humor to try and get over it saying you know let's wait while this person has their coughing fit are they okay be concerned don't like mm -hmm. laugh and say i hope you die soon nothing like that but you know <laughs> let this person please get them a glass of water etc mm -hmm. you know check this person's okay you can be concerned because if it's done to distract everybody's attention anyway then why not pause for that? Mm. You're not going to be penalized by going over a couple of seconds while somebody coughs or sneezes or whatever. But you're aware of it. You're a real person. You're not a robot on stage. So as a presenter, you, you, you've got different methods available to you to go over and overcome these, these you know, anticipated consequences, let's say. <laughs> David, please share with us your favorite quotation. My favorite quotation. Some of you may know that I am a Trekkie. So my favorite quotation comes from Star Trek, actually from Mr. Spock. <laughs> and the, the, the quote goes, the good of the many outweighs the good of the few. And the reason why I chose this quote as being one of my favorite is because sometimes we make the stupidest decisions because of our own personal benefit, which when you think about it later, it doesn't help anybody. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you think what would most people, the good of the many, Mm -hmm. What would it benefit them? Typically, as a whole, the decision will be the right thing to do. So if it only benefits a small proportion of people and the most of the people are be annoyed about it, generally it's not a good thing to do. So that's why I chose that quote. And so far in my life, it, you know, obviously it could change. It's not going to be the, my life quote forever. But at the moment, <laughs> it's been quite a good quote and it gets me from day to day. <laughs> Interesting. David, could you recommend us one book that has inspired you and you think our listeners should read it? Uh -huh, books, let's have a look. There's been so many, but I would say The Richest Man in Babylon. And the reason why I would choose that book is because, one, it's a, a very thin book. So if people mm. don't like to read, they can read this book very easily. It takes less than a day to read the whole entire book. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that if you're interested in the morals and the ideas of things, like why they're going, you know, where the research comes from, this book is apparently quite old. So the morals, when you look at this book and to other books, it's got some of the, let's say, the, 
the basis of a lot of the books which become very popular, such as mm. Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah, sure. the uh, I, I got Think and Grow Rich, bro. Yeah, Think and Grow Rich. Mm. Those things they have a basis in this book. You can see them once you've read the book. There are those key principles, and so I believe that this book it, it's an easy read, which is benefit most beneficial for me. And then it is very quick to read through it, and also the principles there are very easy to understand. It seems to be you know in in a written language which so I can understand myself. So that's why I choose that book. Great, yes, I haven't read that book, but yes, now that you say it's short, you convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about money and about success and about getting the women. It's a, it's about everything. <laughs> okay, maybe not about getting women. <laughs> <laughs> David, this is almost the end of the interview, but the last question is the routine to shine. Please share with us an exercise, something practical that you recommend to do it daily or weekly as a routine to shine. Okay, as a routine to shine. Actually, this is quite an easy one for me. Every morning, I don't. Obviously, it's like a personal thing, but for me, you can ask my wife. This is totally true. <laughs> that every morning, when I wake up, I have my you know go to the toilet and all that sort of stuff first. Get my cup of coffee, but then I have this routine where I play the radio with some radio channel yeah, that that we have. I'm not going to advertise what it is, but the <laughs> music on there is usually quite exciting music, quite mm. energetic music, and I will dance around the house because <laughs> I'm lucky enough to be, you know, home that morning, is that, you know, I'll be dancing around like a freak, basically. And the reason I do that is because it gets my energy, like endorphins going, my, you know, adrenaline levels high. And after I've done that, I do feel like I could start the day on a productive sort of level. Because without that, I've just had my cup of coffee, and then it's like, oh, I've got to go to work, got to do my stuff. But after I've been playing the music a little bit, and I've jumped around like a freak for maybe three minutes, four minutes, I really do feel as if now I'm ready to do something now. That, that's just a little thing that I do. Whether it helps somebody else, I don't know. But for me, it gets a smile on my face. It gets my energy level really up there to the highest level I can get mm. to. And I look forward to doing it. it. You know, the first beginning when people see what I'm doing, it's a little bit embarrassing because they're like, what are you doing? But when they see what I'm up to, it's very easy to get someone to do it with you. And when there's a whole group of you in the, you know, in the morning jumping around and yay, who knows, it could be like the next Japanese workout <laughs> thing that I just invented <laughs> myself. I don't know, but this thing works for me. So I'd recommend if you want to shine, get the day off to a very good high level of energy. Maybe you could jump around with some music. Awesome. Have you put it already on YouTube? No. My <laughs> wife threatened to do that once and I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> David, this, is a, this has been a great interview, has been quite educational, eye-opening, and especially focus on the audience that we usually don't talk too much about that, and it's very, very important. Before saying goodbye, could you tell our listeners how they can learn more about you or follow you? Learn more about me or follow me? Hmm. Well, I'm on Facebook. You can find me, david.gelkin. So that's my name, so it's pretty easy to find. I also have a book on Amazon. You can find it on that. You put David Gelkin, again, my name. You'll find my book list on Amazon. You can find me on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I'm David underscore F-I-N for Finn. Mm -hmm. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn, David Gelkin, my name again. So there's a theme going along here. If you know my name, you can find me on most social media. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much. David and have a nice day. Thank you very much, Oscar. Bye-bye. Bye. Dear listeners of Time to Shine, this is the end of today's episode. If you like our show, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, 
or for more information visit our website www.timetoshinepodcast.com Welcome to listen to us again next week.